If you have a Bible, go ahead and open it to the letter of Ephesians. Ephesians, if you have a Bible app, it's simple. You just turn it on. If you do not have a Bible or a Bible app, the scripture will be behind me on the, we call it the Sky Bible. It's just a big screen, so nothing fancy. Um, If you're looking for the letter of Ephesians, you've gone too far. If you hit mm, Timothy, Revelation, go back the other way. So uh, find Ephesians. And the letter sent to the church in Ephesus was written by a man named Paul. And this is an ancient city in the middle of the Roman Empire many, many, many years ago. And so this man named Paul, he was an apostle of Jesus Christ, and he writes a letter to this new young church. And we've been going through this letter all year, and we've reached chapter 5. And we've been learning over the last five weeks what God has to say about the Christian home. Husbands, wives, children, servants, masters, all of that included. Paul had to give instructions to this new church, this new people, of how, what God expected from them in these types of relationships. So we've called this little sermon, series of sermons, The Christian Home. Um, and you can think about um, this as God's way of instructing you of who you are to be if you're married or if you want to be married, or if you're looking to be married, this really is for everybody. Um, You might say, well, I'm not married yet. Well, but you may be, so this is good stuff to learn. Or you might say, well, I don't have kids yet. Well, maybe one day you will, and so you want to be prepared for that. So I wouldn't ask you to check out, because I'm going to talk about husbands today, just because you're not a husband doesn't mean this is not for you, because if you don't have a wife yet, I would say it is your job to always prepare for the wife that God will bring you. So you want to be ready for that. Over the last several weeks, we've talked about wives submitting to their husbands, which is super offensive until you know what it means, okay? Um, A a biblical submission is, um, you know, it's, it's not doing whatever the husband wants. It's not even obeying their husband because Paul doesn't say obey. He says submit. It's a totally different word. The man is is instructed to love the wife, not have authority over the wife. That's something that threw many of us off. Um, Paul never says, husbands, have authority over your wife as Christ does the church. He doesn't say that. He says, love your wife as Christ does the church. So some of us over the last five weeks, I think, have maybe reorientated the way we've been taught about the way we're supposed to interact with our spouse. And I would say that's that's a fantastic thing. That's what we want the Bible to do is to transform who we are as God's people and make us more like him. So, Um, Last week, we talked about husbands, and we looked at verse 22, and it says, wives, submit to your own husbands. Nope, didn't talk about that one. We looked at verse 25. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That was the verse we talked about last week. So we talked about what it meant for a husband to give himself up for his wife. So Jesus is God, come from heaven to earth, and then he willingly dies on a cross so that he would pay the penalty of our sin so that we would just now be received by God. It's the death of Jesus Christ that offers us forgiveness. And so in the same way, the Bible says husbands are told to love their wives. And so a few simple things that we learned last week. You also can listen to this on the CityGate Teaching Podcast, although this one is not loaded because I did not do my job. So tomorrow I will load two sermons, so anybody wants to catch up, they can catch up. But um, for a man to love, him, love his wife in the same way that Jesus loves his church, we know that means pursuing humility. So we are to become humble, like Jesus became humble. We are to empty ourselves and become a servant of our wife. The best way to love your wife, husbands, is to serve her. Um, and we also talked about love being in action. I think many of us probably feel like that's true, but it's lost a lot in our relationships. 
Love is an action. So you can say you love someone all you want. If you never show that to them, there's something wrong with your love. It's, it's hypocritical. And, and, you know, we, we don't like that word because we don't want to be hypocrites. But we often, we often mess up and not act in the way that we believe. And so we want to align those two things. We want to say, I love you and I'll show you I love you. That's how it should naturally work out. Love is an action. It is always an action. So husbands are to love their wives by emptying themselves and serving their wife in any way possible. Anything your wife needs, you should be doing. Unless it's sinful, then don't do it. Okay, don't obey her. Say, no, that's sinful. We're going to talk about that later. So we want to serve our wives. And we also learned last week that when a husband loves his wife, it has nothing to do with who she is or who she is not. It doesn't matter. Because many times the husband's first objective is, well, I would love my wife, but she's very, very mean to me. That doesn't matter. It does not matter if your wife is mean. We're supposed to love her anyway. Or a husband would say, well, I would love my wife, but she doesn't love me back. That doesn't matter. In fact, I emphasize it by saying, I don't care many times last week. Husbands, I don't care if you're living with your enemy because Jesus says, love your enemy and turn the other cheek. Like you can't get away from it. And then if you say, well, not, she's just not my enemy. She's really, really mean to me. And Jesus says, love those who persecute you. Like you just can't get away from it. And then when you say, well, she doesn't even live with me anymore. She moved out. And Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. So you're not going to get away from the command to love your wife, no matter who she is or who she is not. And here's the connection that we learned last week. Because that's the same way Jesus loves us. Isn't that true? We were his enemy. We hated him. We wanted nothing to do with God. But he came for us anyway. He sought us out. And then he paid for our sins. So a husband, really the love he has for his wife should reflect the love that he experiences um, through Jesus Christ in his own life. Now, we're going to continue on with husbands. And we're going to talk about the next couple of verses. Let me read it for you first. We'll go from verses 25 Um, I'm going to say to 30. He says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That, so this is why Jesus gave himself up for the church, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present to the church, the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. A few observations about this is, number one, Jesus came to save the church, which he calls the bride. So the Bible uses the marriage analogy through the entire Bible. So Jesus is the groom, the church is his bride. In fact, at the end of times, the revelation of Christ when he returns, he's going to gather his bride from every corner of the earth. We're going to be gathered as one people, and he's going to complete the work he started in us. Amen for that? Right, because we like to follow Christ, but we also like to do the things we like to do, and it frustrates us. But there will be a day when Christ returns and perfects us. That is when we are resurrected. No trace of sin in perfect unity with God for all eternity. That's the Christian's future. And Jesus refers to the church as his bride. So that's what Paul is using this language here. He's basically saying the husband is to be to the wife what Jesus is to his church. That's a really important thing for husbands to understand. So these are the verses we're going to talk about. Um, We understand why Jesus came. 
now we understand how husbands are supposed to love. And they're supposed to love this way that they might sanctify their wives, having cleansed her with the word, and so that he might present his own wife as blameless and spotless and holy. So an observation here, right off the bat, we can say a husband's job is to be about the spiritual health of his wife. That's first and foremost a husband's priority. Men, uh, husbands, future husbands, all the men, guys, whatever, you will have many priorities in life. They're all over the place. And you have to be about your priorities. That's what it means to be responsible. That's something your parents taught you. And if they haven't taught you, I'll teach you. I'll find somebody to teach you. Responsibilities are good. Priorities are a thing. But the number one priority in a man's life, if he is married, is the spiritual health of his wife above everything. Absolutely above everything. That is his responsibility. Because that is what Jesus does for the church Jesus comes to the church, takes responsibility for the bride by paying for their sin, and then he cleanses us, he purifies us, he makes us holy, he teaches us. And so a husband is to be to the wife that same thing. Now, we are to be that way because um, we want to present our wives, we want to be an agent of that spiritual transformation, not someone who hinders it. Husbands, we're often guilty of hindering our wife's spiritual transformation. Um, health. Now, we're going to talk about how we combat that and how we don't do those things we don't want to do anymore, but I just want you to get this picture of we are exactly to our wives as Jesus is to us. That's who we are. Now, it's a high calling, and we often fail, and if you're a failure, welcome to church. We're all the same, okay? Even if you're a hypocrite, we'll always take another one because we're all hypocrites. That's just the way it is. So there's more room for failures in this church because we're sinners saved by grace, which means we're not perfect people. We've been made holy before God's eyes because of the resurrection or the death of Jesus Christ, but we're not perfect yet. So we fail a lot. So I want you husbands to know that you are to give yourself up for your wife, die to self, be humble, love her, so that she would benefit. It's her benefit here that's at stake. All right? So now I want to equip you to do that. I want to give you some practical things that you can do when you leave here today so that your wife's spiritual health will increase. And I'm going to put it in two different categories. So the first thing I'm going to tell you is that the way you should love your wife um, should increase her faith in Christ and then strengthen her commitment to the gospel. Two things. I think you can bucket the work that you do with your wife, the way you love her, in two categories. You love her so that her faith in Christ will be um, increased and that her commitment to the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, would be strengthened. She'd be committed to that and be recommitted to it each and every day, right? So here's, here's, let's do the first one. You want her faith in Christ to increase, which means you have to take a back seat and always point her to her savior. Now, guys are really good at wanting to be the hero. That's just how we're wired. That's actually a really good thing. You can summarize the entire Bible by saying it's a story about a guy who came to kill the dragon and get the girl. That's the Bible, right? Jesus comes, he crushes the serpent, he takes the bride. That's the Bible. We just talked about that. He comes to, to, to lay the final blow to our greatest enemy, that's Satan, and sin, and then he wins back his bride. He saves her. Now, husbands are often wired like that, and that's an amazing thing. It's a gift to be a guy because we get to kill the dragon, get the girl, and it's really fun. But what we often do in that is that we want our wives to love us more than they love Christ. We want to put ourselves in that position of her ultimate hero, which we, don't, we can't really fill those shoes 
So if you want to increase her faith in Christ, you're always pointing her to the person of Jesus Christ. Everything that you do for her, everything that has been done for her, you just give the glory back to Christ. That's what you do. And you keep living off of that momentum. So here's one thing you can do for that. If you want your wife's faith in Christ to increase, to get stronger, to get better, then you want to pray for her. That's the first thing. You want to be praying for your wife without ceasing. All the time you want to pray. And we talked about it earlier in our prayer time, is that some of the husbands will be like, well, I do pray for my wife every day when I ride to work, right? I'm in the car talking. Uh, Or when I'm working outside on a project or when I'm cutting the lawn, I'm always praying for my wife. Well, that's good. That's good. I believe God hears that when you talk to him. I don't feel like that's a bad prayer. But what I would encourage you to do is carve out sacred time to pray for your wife. Sacred time. Meaning time that's set aside for prayer. You know, if you read the Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament, what you will see is Jesus retreating, going away, getting away from the crowd, getting away from the busyness. He'll find a quiet place, and he will do what? He'll pray. So I think pray without ceasing in every aspect is good. I think what is better is that when you know that this is a sacred time that I take to pray for my wife. That could be five minutes. It could be three minutes, right? When um, I counsel people in walking to Christian life, what I tell them, I give them this analogy. Don't feel like every time you pray or read the Bible, you have to eat a Thanksgiving meal. Don't, don't we often think like that? I got to sit down. I got to read four chapters, and I got to know exactly what those chapters are saying. And then I got to put the whole picture together in my head, because if not, I haven't done the right job. That's just not true. So you take it little at a time, and a husband can carve out five or ten minutes, two or four minutes, saying a prayer over his wife each and every day. You should be asking God to protect your wife from sin each and every day. Husbands, you should be asking um, the Holy Spirit to fill your, your wife so that he would walk, so she would walk in newness of life. You should be going to God on her behalf. Here's why we do that. Because the Bible says that Jesus intercedes for us. So Jesus is born. That's Christmas, right? Follow me here. Jesus is born. That's Christmas. He lives his life. He proves he's God by miracles and teaching. So they kill him because they don't like it. The religious people hate him. And then he dies. That's Good Friday. And then three days later, he rises again. That's Easter. But what he does after that is he ascends into heaven. So Jesus is comes back from the dead bodily. He walks around. He has a few fish with his friends. He teaches people. He presents himself as the very son of God who he promised to be. He proves he's God. But then he ascends into heaven. So Jesus was resurrected from the dead to never die again. That's the big deal. So the Bible says that when he has ascended into heaven, he is at the right hand of God. And the Bible says Jesus is interceding for us, his people, for me, for you. He's He's making a plea before God on our behalf, right? He's saying, he's mine, and she's mine, and he's mine because they've been covered in my blood, because they believe in my name. They have faith in me. Therefore, God the Father, they're good. They're good. He is interceding for us. And what I want to call husbands to do is intercede for their wives. Pray those types of prayers for her on her behalf that she may not even know she needs prayer for. And a few of them are protect her from discouragement. Protect her today from discouragement. Women, wives in particular, culture has no shortage of ideas of who you are supposed to be. You hear about it each and every day. You are told who you are supposed to be each and every day. That's a lot of pressure. 
And what I want your husbands to do is to tell you, don't listen to all that noise. Be who Christ has called you to be. I love you. You're amazing. Jesus loves you. That's enough. And a husband needs to protect his wife from that discouragement. He also needs to protect her from, um, from sin. He needs to pr- protect his wife or ask God to protect her from blowing up on that coworker when she goes into the office on that day because that person is going to come up to her once again. We all have those people that we just don't enjoy, right? And a husband should say, I know she doesn't enjoy this person, and I know this person is going to do the same thing they did last week, and I know she's going to come home, and she's going to be angry about it. And I'm going to hear it. And husbands, you are going to listen with an empathetic ear. You are. And you're going to tell her, it's okay, I love you. And you'll move on. But you could also pray for her. You don't want your wife to get into this routine where she's angry and she's sinning in that anger about the people she doesn't like. You're going to protect her from the sin of temptation to not love her family or to be discouraged about that. You're going to pray for her that she would not believe the lies of the enemy, that she's not who she needs to be. She needs to be all this, this other stuff. And so husbands are to intercede for their wives all the time. That is your calling. That's what Jesus does to the church. And when you do that, her faith in Christ will increase because she will be pointed to Jesus as the author and perfecter of her faith, the one who is the beginning and the end for her. And wives, Jesus is enough for you. He's enough. And I will tell you in complete confidence, he's more important than your husband. And husbands, Jesus is more important than your wife. Because if we are not living out of the overflow of joy for our love for Christ, we're not going to love our spouse the way we should do anyway. So you don't want to elevate either one of you to like this supreme status. I don't want Sherry, my wife, who's not up here, she's downstairs, so I get to say these random things about her. I don't want her to, I don't want to be like her all in all. I don't want her life to look at me and go, if John's in the house and if John's nice to me, everything is great. Because I'm going to fail her miserably at times. But who will not fail her? Jesus, right? And so likewise, husbands, you don't want to make your wives look at you like the end-all, be-all thing. You want to be awesome and hunky and amazing, right? And when you, like, stand certain places, you want to flex so they can see it. Then you want to carry heavy stuff, right? And some of you want to sweat because your wife likes sweat. I don't know. I'm just, ball- I'm just spitballing here. Um, see, I'm tall, so my, my wife likes when I get stuff off the top shelf. Like, ah. There you go. So, but you still want to point her to Christ as the number one person in her life. Because he can carry the burden that she bears. You cannot. You can't carry that burden for her. But Christ can. So you want to protect her from sin. You want to pray for her. Um, And that's how you increase her faith in Christ. You always want to point her back to the person of Christ. Which means, husbands, you have to be pointed towards Christ. What does Paul say? He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh. But what does a person who loves himself do? Nourishes it, cherishes it, and so husbands are to be for their wives. I have a general conviction that I think husbands generally want to do the right thing. They, they do want to love their wives. They do want to be a good husband. But where men fall short is investing in their own spiritual journey with Christ. That's where they fall short. Husbands, you can't give to your wife who you what you don't already have. So if the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, self, uh, not selfishness, <laughs> selflessness, self-control, if that's not 
right? Oozing out of your pores like garlic does on those certain days. If that's not happening, your wife will not benefit from that. So you can walk out of here today and go, I'm going to be a better husband. I'm going to love my wife. I'm going to pray for her. I'm going to protect her from sin. But men, I'm telling you, you have to also invest in yourself first. You can't be to her what you're not already are. That's why everything you do comes out of what Christ has done for you. So men, when I, when I call you out of the, the corner to follow Christ, to confess your sin, to be transformed by his word and by his spirit, there's more at stake than just not sinning or your happiness. Well, what's at stake? The health of your wife. The spiritual vitality of your wife is at stake. If you're a husband here and you are not willing to follow Christ, obey his commandments, and love him and him alone above all things, if that is not your aim and your goal, your wife will not grow spiritually. I have seen this time and time again. You have seen this time and time again. Husbands cannot give their wives what they're not possessing already. And in fact, when husbands do that, they often point their wives to the right thing. The wife thinks, you are so, I love you, but you're such a hypocrite. Like you're always telling me to do the right thing, and you never do the right thing. That creates a lot of tension and a lot of like weird anxiety, and it just it unravels everything. So men, you have to be about Christ, right? He's the king. He's the great high priest. He's way more powerful than you are, and you got to follow him. He's God. Your wife's will benefit from that. Her faith will increase as your faith increases, right? So here's the second thing. You want to increase her faith by the way you treat her. Um, If you look at these words that Paul says, we as the church, as Christians, we want to become blameless and holy, presented before God without blemish, without stains, right? So we're saved by God, we're cleansed, but we still sin, right? Because we're not perfected. And so what you want to do is protect your wife from sin so she'd become more holy like Christ. Um, if you're a Christian, I hope that you understand that you, who, you're not who you once were. Amen? All of us might say yes and amen to that because I was like a really wicked person. We're not who we once were. We're not exactly who we want to be. I think we would all agree on that. But by God's grace, we are who we are, right? By God's grace, we are who we are. And I want... Husbands, to realize that your wife is not who she once is, who she once was. She's not perfected because she's still a sinner saved by grace. And your job is to carry her to that finish line as her support by loving her, presenting her to Christ as a transformed sinner by the power of God's work through the power of God's spirit. That's when I tell you your number one job in life is to be about the spiritual health of your wife. That is the number one job you do. I don't care how amazing you are at your career. I just, I mean, I care, but I don't care. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care what gifts and talents you have. If you're not leading your wife, it doesn't matter. Think about this, men. God gave you a wife. (laughs) And none of us deserve our wives. We just don't. I mean, we're pretty cool guys, but our wives are so much cooler. And most of us sit here, and, and, and there's days where you go, I have no idea why this woman's in my life. <laughs> you should think that. That's a normal thing to think for a husband. But you see, God has blessed you with a wife. It's an amazing thing. A wife that, man, she way outshoots you, right? So that's just the way it is. So you want to increase your faith in Christ. And then second thing is you want to strengthen her commitment 
to the gospel. Now, the gospel means good news. We say that word a lot in this church. The Bible is full of good news, not good advice. That's really important to know. It's not good advice. It's really good news. And good news is something that can change your life. Good advice, you can take it or leave it. You're like, nah, that was good advice, but I want to do something different. Good news is something that you hear that changes the next second of your life, right? That's good news. And the good news is that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. And he came here to save you from your sin. And to do that, he died on a cross. And when he did that, he satisfied God's wrath against you because you're a sinner. Your sin demands payment. Your rebellion against God demands payment. And Jesus came here and then he willingly went up on that tree and he died so you could live. That's the gospel. Amen? There's hope in that. All of a sudden now when you believe that, you know why you're recreated. You realize you weren't an accident. You realize God is in control. You realize that he is the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega, and that Jesus Christ is at the center of it all. And I'm telling you, husbands, your job is to strengthen your wife's commitment to that good news. Each and every day. You want her to put on these gospel-centered, or um, these, that's okay, these gospel-colored lenses. And in the first service, that person had to buy coffee for everybody, so coffee on you. Should I keep going? Okay, good. So, hey, if that's you, you're in the right church. No shame. No shame. Right, church? Okay, amen. Good, good. Um, you want to strengthen the commitment to the gospel, which means what you want to do for your wife and for yourself is put on these gospel-colored lenses. I want you to see everything through that truth. So the gospel, the good news that you've heard, actually changes the way you approach everything now, right? It changes the way you think. It changes the way you act. It changes the way you talk to people, the way you spend money. It changes the way you work. It changes the way you leisure. It changes everything. Because out of that good news comes joy and peace, and then it overflows into your life. And so here's how you strengthen your wife's commitment to the gospel. Number one, you talk about the conflict between you and her. That's the number one thing. The gospel is always best applied in the middle of conflict, right? That's where the gospel is best applied. After realizing you're not, gonna condemned, you're not condemned to hell, but you have inheritance in heaven, comes the next best thing about the gospel is that it actually is the number one thing that restores conflict. Like, you know when people say this is where the rubber meets the road? Marital conflict is where the rubber meets the road with the gospel. You will quickly know if your family believes in the gospel or not. When you have conflict in your marriage, you will very quickly realize if your husband believes in the stuff about Jesus or he doesn't. And husbands will quickly believe about their wives if they believe about that stuff about Jesus or they don't. So husbands, here's your job. Just as Christ came from heaven to earth to initiate a relationship with his church, that's us, to come and find us and seek us and save us, husbands are to do that with their wives. Which means, regardless if you did anything wrong or not, if there's conflict, your job is to initiate the reconciliation. That's your job. We actually talked, uh, talked a little bit about this last week. Conflict Unresolved conflict is the number one cancer in a marriage. It continues to grow and grow and grow and spread and fester. And you actually don't know how bad it is until five years later. And then we all know what? It's really, really bad. Then you got to work five years back. 
and you got to start at the beginning. So the gospel is best applied. Her commitment to the gospel is best secured when you are dealing with the conflict in your marriage. Now, guys, let me tell you your default sin. You don't like this. You don't like it. In fact, you hate it. You don't want to initiate a conversation which you know you may be guilty a little bit of or it's uncomfortable because you may have to tell your wife, I think you did something wrong and I'd like to talk about it because you know she's going to go, I never do anything wrong, so what are you talking about? I haven't been wrong in years, right? That's going to happen. There's going to be some defensiveness. Men are to initiate those conversations regardless if they're the ones who are wronged or not because you're going to bring the gospel into the situation. And then your wife's going to go, right, he's applying what he believes to this situation, and I'm going to honor that, and I'm going to engage in that. This is why when husbands are to love their wives, it is husbands are to love no matter who their wife is or isn't. And you might be a husband here thinking, she's always mean to me. Great. you got a lot of opportunity to apply the gospel. (laughs) Now, why... Is that funny and true all at the same time? Because that's you with Jesus. It's the same thing. Your wife needs the same thing. Your wife needs from you the same thing you need from Jesus each and every second of each and every day. Amen? So if a husband sits here and is like, I'm not comfortable doing that. I'm just not going to do it. I'm just going to kind of let silence take it over and maybe time will heal. We all know time doesn't heal anything. Just delays the process. So what I want husbands to do is to step in the middle and bring it up and initiate. That's really important for your home. And to do that, you will have to humble yourself, just as Jesus did when he came from heaven to earth to come and seek save sinners. You will have to die to yourself, which means you will have to give up your pride and you will have to be humble and enter into a conversation where you also will have to admit your wrongs. Now, we can talk about this all day long, and it seems pretty basic, but it's really, really hard to do. And this is why it's so important for a husband to be committed to the gospel first. When we plant a church, so we started this church three years ago, let me tell you who, what a church plant always gets to come through the doors first. Who do you think it is? Men or women? Women. Women. Women go to church far more than their husbands do. Why is that? Because just like Adam in the garden, we run from responsibility. That's my default sin, and that's your default sin. So the serpent comes to Eve in the very first pages of the Bible, and he's like, hey, I think God's lying to you. I think you should listen to me. Your life's going to be way better. Don't listen to him. Listen to me. And what does she do? She partakes. And then Adam has this great idea. Let's go hide in the woods from God. You're like, dude, he can see everything. And then Adam tries to fix the situation by making clothes for them out of some leaves. Adam doesn't go before God and say, we need to come before you, God, because we did the wrong thing and we need to know what to do now. So a man's default sin is to step back. It's to step back, not make a big deal, kind of let things ride out, see how it works, see how really mad she is, I'll give it a day. Because if she's not really mad, do I really have to talk about it? That's what we do. So our default sin is to go in the background, not initiate. And so when I say men need to initiate, That's what I mean. You need to initiate those conversations. It's really important. So this is what your struggle is going to be. But let me tell you, if you initiate the conversations, your wife, nine times out of ten, 
will honor that conversation and get involved with it. She just will. She will support that conversation and she will do it. So I want you to strengthen her commitment to the gospel, which means you have to believe it, which means you have to believe that you're a sinner, you're the worst person you know, apart from the grace of Jesus Christ. And you are, right? I'm the worst person I know apart from Jesus. And so are you. You have to believe that's true. Because when you believe that's true, you won't look at your wife and see, someone, uh, see her as someone who has failed yet again. You'll see her as somebody who needs the gospel to revive her. She's not perfect. And then you need to apply it. So the way you love your wife, the way Christ loved the church, and Christ loved her by giving himself up for her, right? So men, we die to ourselves. We serve our wives. We love our wives. And Jesus does all of that so the church would grow in holiness and purity and prepare for the day that we will see Christ face to face, that's your job with your wife. So if there are things that you are watching as a family, or listening to, or talking about, or conversations you have each and every day that you know are not healthy, are not holy, your job is to say, we need to take a different path. We need to do something different. This isn't a good trajectory. I know that we both hate that person, but gossiping about that person is not healthy for our marriage. We gotta stop. I know that we like those kind of shows, but I, don't, I think they're rewiring our brain. <laughs> I don't think it's good. Husband's got to say, I think we need to stop. A husband has to say, I've noticed our schedule. And it's not the way it should look. I'd like to talk about a different type of way to go about our week. So that we can put the gospel into center of everything we do. Husbands, you have to initiate that conversation. That's your job. Because your number one job, remember, is to get to the end of the line and present to your wife holy and blameless and righteous. Now, wives, let me speak to you, and then we'll close. Your default sin, according to Genesis 3, is to want to be the husband. So this is like where the battle of the sexes began, right? Genesis 3. Adam didn't like responsibility, and the women wanted all of it right? They were like, well, I'll just be you because you ain't you and you're bad at being you. I'll be both, husband and wife, right? Like, that's what happens. And let me tell you, that's what culture says you should do. It's not true. So when your wife, (laughs) when your husband, for the first time this week comes to you, for the first time in your marriage and says, I'd like to talk to you about some things. Let me tell you what you don't do. You don't say, yeah, that's great, but I'm going to talk first. You don't do anything that's going to discourage the next words that come out of his mouth. Because you're really good at that. You just are. You know that about yourself, right? It's okay. We're open in this church. You receive that and you humble yourself and you say, he's trying. I can see it on his face. Boy, he's nervous. And even laugh at yourself a little. That's okay. But then love him. Bring him in. Remember last week, a husband's job is to close the gap between the husband and the wife. Right? Not to create space between them. Sin creates space between relationships. It separates people. When you remove sin and seek forgiveness and reconciliation, it makes you stronger. It brings you closer together. So wives, I want you to encourage your husband. Even today, this afternoon, you can tell him when you leave church, if there's anything you ever want to talk about or feel like we should do different, I would love to hear about it. You could say that sentence, and it doesn't even take that much, that much time. I just said it in three seconds. And do you know that when a husband hears that, he's like invigorated? 
I know you think we're pretty simple creatures, and we are. But we need that encouragement from you. Because we shy back from responsibility. And as long as you don't say anything, we probably won't either. And so what you want to do as a wife is you want to draw him in. You want to say, whatever's on your heart and your mind, I'm here. And I'm not going to get defensive. And if I disagree, I will do it respectfully. And then we will kiss and move on and talk about it tomorrow. And then we'll keep doing it, and we'll keep doing it, and we'll keep doing it. Because everything a wife does to her husband and everything a husband does to her wife should reflect the way God treats you. Okay? So what does the Bible say about a sinner coming to faith in Christ, coming to belief? It says it's God's loving kindness that draws us to himself. That's what the Bible says. It says we're drawn to God because he's loving and he's kind. And let me tell you where people thrive, an environment where they're loved and they're treated with kindness. That's where people thrive. And so if your marriage is not where you want it to be, that's okay. You're in the right spot this morning. Amen? We're all like each other. We just look different. We all struggle with marriage because we're all people who tend to be selfish and want our way. And what we ask of God is that he would take this word by his spirit and transform our lives. Never do I want you to come to church and just say, I learned more information today. That doesn't do you any good. It does you no good to just know what was heard. This Bible was actually given to God's people from the mouth of God to not inform us, but to transform us. There is transformative intent in every single word in this book. It's not just ink on a page. It's the words of God. And so as I leave here today, specifically to husbands, wife, I talked about you now, but I'll leave you out of it, okay? Husbands, you are I want you to pursue this new path of being a husband. And as you do that, I want you to realize I'm going to do exactly for my wife what I know Jesus has done for me. And if you just use that lens, I believe I can say with full confidence that there is a promise your marriage will grow. It'll become healthy. Healthy things grow, and that's what we want, right? Things that are unhealthy die. And so what you want to do as a husband is you want to say, I want a healthy marriage because I want it to grow. I don't know what growth looks like, but it's going to happen somehow. And if you're going to do that, what you're doing is you're taking what God has done for you and you're giving that to your wife. That's it. Amen?